Before we get to today's show, I'd like to invite you to become a part of this show. If you have hiked the John Muir Trail, whether you section hiked it or through hiked it, or if you intend to hike it in the future, then give us a call, 818-925-0106, and please leave a voicemail telling us a little bit about your experience, a memory, a hardship, what you're looking forward to, or how it affected your life positively or even negatively. At the end of this season, I am hoping to collect these voice messages and edit them into an episode focused on the John Muir Trail. So if you would like to potentially have your voicemail appear on the show, call us up, 818-925-0106. Leave us your name, whether that is your real name or your trail name, where you are located, and give us your thoughts within three minutes about the John Muir Trail. Thank you ahead of time, and let's get to the show. Welcome to episode 99 of the Go Get Outside podcast. This is your host, Jason Milligan. Welcome back. Welcome aboard. Earlier this season, I promised you that we would have four episodes from North Carolina, and today is the second of those episodes. It's a short and sweet episode where we talk about a lot of different things, featuring self-proclaimed world's worst climber and hillbilly, Stephen Reinhold. He is an adventure philanthropist and creator of the hashtag trash tag movement. And hopefully this is a great way for everyone to get ready for Earth Day on April 22nd. This was recorded in a windy shelter on the Appalachian Trail in North Carolina late last year. And we discuss a lot of aspects of Stephen's life, everything from his early days in the outdoors, how his time with big city mountaineers led him towards adventure philanthropy. We're going to discuss photography, the realities of being a brand ambassador, the past and future of hashtag trash tag, and how social media movements can actually be a beneficial thing. So let's go now and talk to Steven Reinhold. So I'm Steven Reinhold, um, and I like to think of myself as an adventure philanthropist. Um, I've kind of quickly realized early on in my climbing career that I may be the world's worst climber, so I figured I'd better uh, <laughs> do something else uh, to, to kind of make a name for myself in the outdoors, and it's kind of started this idea of pursuing positivity through my adventures and uh, kind of supporting charitable causes, uh, social justice kind of ecological movements, things like that through my adventures. So let's talk about how you get there, because you don't just come out of the womb and you decide, I want to be a philanthropist and that I'm going to attempt to be a terrible climber. So what's the process from the womb that got you there? What did yeah, your life for, look like? For sure. So um, I don't know, kind of always had this 
innate desire to want to do some sort of charity work. It started out, I thought I was going to maybe go install wells in Africa and like provide clean drinking water or something along that. Just even from a a young age, I I had the desire to do something like that. So fast forward through life, I was actually a a really big baseball player. I played in high school and and college and got to play in like college world series and stuff like that. So that kind of dominated my life through college. But then when I got done, I needed kind of like an athletic outlet and I had moved back to the mountains in North Carolina and, and took up backpacking. And, Is uh, that where you grew up, in North yeah, Carolina? Yeah, so I grew okay. up in, in Waynesville, North Carolina, uh, near Asheville. I mean, I, I enjoyed going outside, but it wasn't like a, a passion, you know, it wasn't a way of life for me. But so after kind of got more and more into it, heard of a organization called Big City Mountaineers. And what they do is they take uh, inner city kids on wilderness mentoring trips, and they have a, a fundraising program called the Summit for Someone program. And basically, you can go climb a mountain and raise funds, which go towards the kids' trips. And then in return, you get a a guided climb and a gear package. So I had decided to sign up for this climb on Mount Whitney out in California. Um, And it was way out of my comfort zone. As soon as I drove up and saw the mountain, I was pretty convinced I was going to die there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is an imposing place. For sure, for sure. But, you know, I kind of realized that, like, that charitable aspect helped kind of like tip the scale for me to like I want to go do this I want to try to climb this mountain as opposed to just climbing it for myself to to prove that I could do it and so like I kind of realized and got into that and uh, started to you know adopt that theory into other aspects of life yeah so tell us a little more about that group that you got involved with like what what are some of the results that you would see when you would take these kids outdoors the kids they go on wilderness mentoring trips they don't actually do the the mountaineering climbs those mm-hmm. are adults that are fundraisers but uh but I've also led some of the trips as a mentor as well and they're incredible you know it's uh I think kind of the the growth that you know people probably a lot of your listeners see from themselves in the outdoors mm-hmm. it's like compacted into a week for these kids you know they get to uh, learn resiliency kind of self-confidence self-care in particular and each trip there you know there's five kids and five adult mentors so it's like a a very formative kind of structured learning experience for them as well. How do the kids get involved? Do they sign up for this themselves or do people convince them to come along? Because I could see you struggling with if you get a kid who thinks, oh, I don't like this stuff, I don't want to do it, then you've got to help them overcome that. But if it's kids who are like, oh, I never got to do this, so I want to give it a try, that could be a totally different situation. Yeah, so, so big city mountaineers in each area they're located, they will partner with uh, organizations in the area, maybe like a, a Boys and Girls Club or a YMCA, and they will, they'll go to them and say, give us five kids that you think will really benefit from this trip. They kind of work with them to kind of pre-select and see which kids they think would really benefit from it. And then also on that trip, a basically a representative representative from that organization will join, so a guidance counselor or a teacher, so somebody that already has a rapport with the kids will join along, and that really uh, seems to help facilitate the trips. Yeah, what are some of the challenges that you face bringing these kids who haven't had these experiences outside and then trying to <laughs> trying to introduce them to uh, them? The biggest challenge to start with is gathering their cell phones at the start <laughs> and turning those off and sequestering them for the trip. Yeah, well, uh, that's that take like six hours for that to <laughs> yeah. happen? It's a, yeah, it's a hard learning curve there. The normal camp things that you see, the things that we kind of take for granted, you know, like putting a rain jacket on before it starts raining or, you know, getting to camp and having your tent set up before it might start raining and and things of that nature. Um, But for me, it's neat because it's kind of like, you know, microcosm for life, basically. That's what camping and outdoor stuff is for me. Anytime I go on a hike or a camping trip, I go back to regular life and it seems easier. After the kids go on these trips, I mean, are they then invited back and they come back or is there a limited number of times? Yeah, there's certainly alumni events and uh, and certainly uh, they're encouraged to, you know, continue doing these things. But I think it's more... 
definitely looked at as more of a like a wilderness mentoring type program mm-hmm. uh, with the hopes that they you know fall in love with the outdoors and continue that on their on their own you have any particular stories that jumped to mind of like particularly memorable experiences or a big change you saw in someone or anything like that yeah for sure uh, honestly so I went with a, a group they, they called themselves the lit squad and <laughs> we went on a uh, we went on a trip uh, it was in the flat top wilderness in Colorado and just all of them like the amount of growth they showed in a week was incredible it seemed like young men after the trip as opposed to like lost juveniles before it yeah what kind of feedback do you get from these guys sometimes afterwards <laughs> that's kind of like a fluid situation throughout the trip you know they're usually stoked to start with and then about halfway through they're homesick and hate it a little bit somebody's pissed off at some yeah, point yeah you know, something <laughs> happens but then by the end of it you really see kind of like i was saying that just kind of like that growth and like one kid george in particular that at the start he was really kind of like shy and timid and then on the last day he volunteered to lead the group back and he was just like you could tell he had you know kind of like turned the corner that day into like adulthood yeah and so this is just one of the groups that you're involved with right so what are some of the other things you're doing i do some work with a group called all hands and hearts me and lee from the appalachian gear company are getting ready to go to nepal and, and work with them and they do uh, disaster relief but in, in nepal in particular they focused on building schools uh, and then using those as a community center uh, like a storm shelter and a school system for that community and part of their deal is they also educate the community in, in the construction process so they basically create uh, a group of people that are able to do masonry work uh, construction like civil engineers and things of that nature through the programs yeah so what's this nepal trip you're going on looking like yeah it's gonna be awesome uh, so it's it's through backpacker magazine i'm a ambassador a representative for them and we're going to be there we'll be working on the school for a week with all hands and hearts then afterwards we go on a, a trek on the narfu valley uh, it's off the annapurna circuit kind of recently opened up within the last 10 years or so and uh, so it's kind of less traveled and a little more secluded which is pretty cool so I'm, I'm stoked to to be going on that for sure and so you mentioned being an ambassador and i think that's a word for the outdoor community that everybody's getting used to hearing now yeah but i think it's also one of those things where people wonder like well, how, how the hell somebody become an ambassador so yeah what was that like how did you go from yourself to an ambassador for backpacker magazine oh man so that and, was a, and what exactly does that entail well an ambassador is wide-ranging in the outdoor industry it can mean basically you get used for your pictures or you <laughs> actually get supported by companies and yeah, like I said, it can go a long way. So, like companies like Backpacker, App Gear Co., that are very supportive and like work with me on projects and things of that nature are wonderful to work for. There's uh, unfortunately there's a lot of companies out there that crowdsource their photography and media. You know, they might be willing to give you a shirt, but then take uh, you know 20 pictures or you know something along those lines. So it's a it's it's a blurred line. Most all companies have some sort of representatives or ambassadors uh, of sorts, but it just kind of depends company to company as opposed to like. Uh, uh, if they're, you know, just customers giving pictures or if they're like actually part of the, you know, part of the program, so to speak. What does your ambassadorship look like? Is it that you're a photographer? Is that is that primarily what interests them in you or is it something else? For Backpacker, I think part of it is just uh, an extended relationship that I've had with them. So I, how I found out about Big City Mountaineers and that Mount Whitney climb mm-hmm. uh, was it was in Backpacker magazine. It was an invite to climb with their editors. And so I've uh, just become friendly with them over the years. I like really, really respect what they do. I think they're kind of, for me, they're the voice of the outdoors. So I signed up actually this trip to Nepal. I did this same trip in the spring, uh, but signed up as a, as a reader enthusiast. Had so much fun on it and enjoyed it. And afterwards, they decided they're you know trying to kind of keep this adventure philanthropy angle up and they asked me to to jump on board as an ambassador so i was 
I was really excited about that. You contacted them, built a relationship without that intention necessarily. Totally, totally. Okay. Yeah, so it that, wasn't like they came across you through Instagram or something like that. For sure. And, and that does happen a lot. You know, a lot of people with uh, large followings and things of that nature will, you know, get those relationships easy. Um, there's a, a lot of companies, particularly in the outdoor industry, I, I have to brag on them as a whole because they are willing to work with people that want to do cool things, that want to... Uh, you know, raise awareness about social injustices or raise awareness about climate change, things of that nature, and want to, like, you know, help with that. And I, I don't necessarily see that in other industries. There's a there's a, a lot of collaboration and kind of this, like, positivity. I, I like to call it, like, cause-based commerce, basically. What was your relationship with the outdoors? Uh, were you one of those kids that just spent all your time outside, or is it something you came along later? What did it look like when you were growing so, up? So I did. I grew up in, in the country, and I, I played outside a lot. Uh, I, I I wouldn't have considered myself outdoorsy as a child. You know, we went camping, played in creeks, did all that kinds of stuff. But as far as like a like a backpacking enthusiast or climber, none of that really came along until until after college. And, and one of my friends uh, introduced me to that. But uh, for me, I find it it's kind of like a it's a place to heal. It's a place where I find my best self, and that's kind of why I enjoy getting other people involved in the outdoors. Things like big city mountaineers and. Mm-hmm and things of that nature. It's definitely one of those things that happens, right? It seems like almost anyone who really gets into the outdoors eventually clicks over to where they're like, well, I need to share this with other people. I need to show other people how valuable this can be to them. I think it's really easy for people to think like, oh, it's just a hobby you go do. It's just a frivolous thing. But there's so much value to yourself and even what you can share with others that can come from it that we all just kind of become these, I guess I'm going to say ambassador just because you've been saying those no, words, totally, but unintentionally totally, yeah. become this ambassador for outdoors for everyone else. For sure, for sure. That's that's what it's about. And I think that's why a lot of those companies uh, tap into that. You know, it's a very authentic story. There's so many people out there that are just kind of like living their truth, you know, hiking their own hike, so to speak. And uh, it's a wonderful story to tell. And you said it was a buddy of yours in college that kind of ended up doing that for you. What was that trip like? What did what oh, did he it take great. you to do? Yeah, it was uh, this place called Shining Rock. It was in the in the fall, a place where you could like pick blueberries, and the, just the colors were incredible. Uh, and that was amazing. Yeah, his his name's John Hayward. Ironically, you know, we, I'm sure we get into it talking about the trash tag project. He was the same friend that was with me when that started. So that first trip, what were you like? Do you know what you were doing at all? No, just wide-eyed. <laughs> so, yeah, wide-eyed. So, so what'd you go in doing? Was it a backpacking trip or? Uh, I guess it was a day hike technically, okay. but a long one, probably like a, you know, 15 miles or so. Had some scrambling, some climbing involved, stuff like that. And it was just, uh, just like a fully immersive experience. And then after that, I decided I wanted to uh, keep doing that and, and got really into hiking. I, I did what was called the South Beyond 6,000 Challenge. There's basically 40 mountains in the southeast that are over 6,000 feet, and there's a, a basically a challenge or a club for the for the people who climb all of those. And uh, I got into that, and I, I loved it. I was done with that. I kind of thought I was thought I was done with Appalachians for a little bit, and I moved out to Colorado. Was a snowboard instructor slash ski bum for a few years, and uh, enjoyed that. Then came back to to Carolina and fell in love and fell in love with the mountains again. So ski instructor. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, were you in the skiing before that or did Totally, did you, totally. Okay. So yeah. you didn't show up and have to learn to ski no. and then and then learn to be an instructor. Yeah. <laughs> again, like I kinda of alluded to I'm a little bit of a hillbilly, so I, I grew up snowboarding in a pasture when it was okay, like nice. and so, so this is still like uh early nineties, late eighties when the snowboarding was still just getting in, so like 
figuring out how to do it and like finally the ski resort lets you onto it and we we're able to go and yeah it was really cool a lot of what you provide is photography right uh-huh. and it's part of your ambassadorship so how did you come into photography is that something uh, you were doing like early on or? so i've always enjoyed documenting my trips uh i didn't get into that into a professional level until uh, my business partner i run something called the appalachian adventure company and we do some guiding and content creation and stuff like that and uh so he's a pretty much like a savant level photographer and he taught me all kinds of stuff pretty much everything i know about it we started running photography workshops and clinics and i would do the the guiding logistics but i uh, was l- always listening and learned everything from him so this came to you like in your adult life oh yeah maybe yeah, yeah. it's only like three or four years ago really oh so, pretty, so i mean I, like i said i i recorded all my trips had gopro and mm-hmm. you know did cell phone pictures had a point and shoot and all of that but never never really dived into like the the professional side of, of mm-hmm. photography and everything uh more of those like ambassadorships and stuff were based on writing blogs and, and more written word as opposed to visual content so once you meet him and he starts teaching you these different skills and starts showing you different ways to think about your photographs how quickly did your quality of photographs change oh gosh immensely <laughs> immensely yeah. yeah it's made a huge difference and, and for me it's great for a, a couple of years i never even tried to like sell anything that never crossed my mind uh it was more of a just like a creative outlet you know kind of a, a challenge each situation and try to take the best picture i could or the most creative one and and then it finally like i don't know just kind of like uh, again came to a tipping point where i was like you know what i, I feel comfortable enough with that work that I, I feel like i can put a value to it now and try to try to market that so what is it about photographs you think make them special Any, anything that draws you in creating depth in a, in a picture is one of the best ways to do that but particularly for like an outdoor kind of perspective something that that makes you feel like you see it and you're, you're there at that campsite you're there by that fire you're there at that sunset you know something that just like draws you in immediately and makes you feel like oh i, I want to be in that situation now that everybody has a phone with a camera yeah. on it a lot more people find themselves interested in photography and then they think hey maybe i could develop this skill further what's your advice to them if they're listening and they think oh, i want i want to develop my photography skills also there's all kinds of educational outlets out there taking photography workshop with us is a great idea watching youtube videos getting books things of that nature and i would highly encourage it i would encourage people that are willing to get or thinking of getting into it to diversify themselves you know be able to write be able to take videos still shots all that kinds of stuff because like you said there's a million people out there billions of people out there with cameras and cell phones and that are able to create content so it's really difficult to distinguish yourself yeah, from that pack sure. you are an ambassador for backpacker magazine so i know a lot of people here like oh this person's an ambassador for this and an ambassador for that so let's talk about the misconceptions and then does that mean your full-time job is an ambassador taking photos for Backpacker Magazine? Because I bet the answer is no. No, no, not even <laughs> close, yeah. So like I said, Backpacker's great to me, honestly. They're uh, you know pretty much providing this trip, uh, giving me an, an outlet to tell my story, photos and pictures, and, and that's been wonderful. You know, like I said, that's one of those in particular where they're allowing me to grow through them. So I really appreciate that. That's not always been the case. Like I said, it's, it's difficult to, to make a living uh, doing that stuff. My business partner and I, Steve Yoakum, we've actually uh, kind of branched out and started what we're calling the Adventure Syndicate. We're using it as a kind of like a PR branch of the adventure company because we've noticed that PR companies are able to actually make more of a living uh, through that. And so we feel like we've developed enough of a skill set to where we want to step into that range. Uh, and, and part of that as well is kind of advocating for ambassadors. You know, I come from a sports background and every major sporting, not event, but, you know, league there is has a collective bargaining agreement and things of that nature. And there's not that for the outdoors. And I think that'd be uh, not necessarily trying to set one of those up, but like starting that conversation of, of like, how, how should you ethically treat your ambassadors or the people that you're crowdsourcing these photographs from and you're making money off of? 
Um, I think that's a, definitely a conversation that, that needs to be started. Right. It kind of becomes an issue about value then, right? Like yeah. It's like, how valuable are these people to you? How valuable should they see themselves? How, how much should they value these photographs or posts or whatever they're providing to you? Yeah. 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 And, and that's, a, that's a hard thing, too. It's, it's like hard to put a value on those. I mean, what, what is a picture worth? It's, it's a very hard thing to figure out how much to ask for them. It's a hard thing to, to you know figure out what the actual worth of those are. I mean, if you sell a million products off of a really right. good picture, then it's worth quite a bit. But you know, if you maybe just put it online on your story on Instagram, and you know, it's maybe not that big of a deal. But it's kind of it all comes down to usage, exactly, right? yeah. and the person or, or business that is using it. it. Could be the huge difference between a catalog photo that is going to help them sell a huge quantity of products versus something else that's just going to get people interested mm-hmm. or aware of their brand in the yeah. first place. Yeah. And so what that value is and what that usage could be yeah. is such a varied thing. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, so, you know, at first I was really stoked to get like a, a puffy jacket or something in return for a, uh, some photographs or can, things of that nature. You can nature, only have like, so many of those. Yeah, you can't, you can't take those down to Bank of America and turn them in for your mortgage kind of deal. Yeah, they don't taste good. <laughs> yeah. You can't cook them. Yeah. Oh, man. As should be no surprise to anyone that, that is more aware of like these ambassadorship programs and things, you've got your hands in a lot of different things. Because mm-hmm. I do think sometimes people think, well, I'm going to start an Instagram account, I'm going to get super popular, and then some brand's going to contact me and I'm going to be a millionaire. And that's what I do is I just take pictures from Patagonia all the time <laughs> yeah. and put them on Instagram and I never have to worry about anything again. And and if anybody listening is thinking that, well, we're going we're gonna to let you know that the reality isn't going to reflect yeah, that. that. That was my initial dream too, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Still trying to get there. Yeah, so you've got, you've got. let's see if I can get these right. So you've got Adventure Syndicate, which you just mentioned. Yep. You've got the Adventure... Appalachian Adventure Appalachian Company. Appalachian yeah. Adventure Company. You're an ambassador for Backpacker Magazine. Others others as well? Like are yeah, you lots freelance of, lots photography all around? Uh, yeah, uh, like uh, working with App Gear Co., Gerber Gear, Nick Wax, just a, a few different companies mm-hmm. uh, of that nature. And then kind of like my flagship or, or pride and joy, like we mentioned a little bit earlier, is, is the Trash Tag Project that... Uh, started that a few years ago, and it's uh, it's basically like a, an online social cleanup movement, and encourages other people to either pick up trash or voice their environmental concerns, talk about how they're reducing their carbon footprint on the front end, things of that nature, but to but to specifically use their social media to encourage others to do so. Yeah, let's talk about that because it is a topic I definitely want to get to and spend some time on is this trash tag topic. So tell us what trash tag is exactly and, and how it came about in the first place. Hashtag trash tag, like I said, is an is a online social cleanup movement. Came about, honestly, on one of these climbing trips I was talking about earlier for Big City Mountaineers. I was out in California near Mount Whitney again. Uh, this time I was climbing Mount Langley, which is close to Mount Whitney. And so my friend was out... Uh, joined me on this road trip and we were driving through and a receipt blew out of our window and the receipt was like for trucker hats and touristy t-shirts and I just immediately had this like gut-wrenching feeling that I was the problem yeah you know? suddenly you were one of the jerks yeah exactly the, yeah. exactly and so it's like receipts blowing off there's nothing really I can do about it it's like rolling through the, the Owens Valley there you're not and, gonna find it yeah. <laughs> yeah and so I just blurted out I'm gonna pick up 100 pieces of trash to make up for that on this trip it was kind of like you know atoning for that that accident and so on this trip I was going to different national parks you know like I said we were going to like Yosemite and found trash on Half Dome went to like Sequoia Kings Canyon and there's trash around all the trees uh, later on on the trip go to Mount Shasta and there's you know some trash laying on the slopes and stuff there and then 
uh, eventually I get close to that hundred piece of trash goal and I'd made my way up towards Jackson Hole in Wyoming and I'm right there by Jenny Lake and I find this like granola wrapper and it's a hundred piece of trash so were you sincerely counting them as yeah you went? oh for sure for <laughs> sure so I started actually along the way taking like pictures of it too because I was kind of yeah. getting this idea of like well I'm in these like cool places but there's always trash and it kind of like ruins my view so maybe I could start like encouraging other people to do that and like the trash tag idea wasn't fully formed yet right and are you point. taking pictures of it where you found it so you can show yeah, where it exists exactly so like if i found one like a nice overlook i would hold it up and basically ruin the view you know the trash would be right in the foreground or climb somewhere and instead of taking like a summit selfie i'd hold the trash up in front of the camera and it like blocked my face out to show like oh this this is more important than me kind of deal right about the time that hundredth one came along i'd had the idea that i'd kind of like been geotagging these different locations and i was like trash tag I'm like, I'm trash tagging. That's what this is. This is called trash tag. And is and that something you were doing? You were getting the GPS coordinates and including not that? Not necessarily the GPS, but it was just like these famous overlooks. Right, and like, okay. You know, places that were recognizable and like, mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily like just the coordinates, not like a geocache, but it was along those lines. And that, so all these kind of ideas kind of blended together. The tail end of this road trip was the outdoor retailer show and a company that I'd worked with, Yuko Gear, at the time they make uh, all kinds of headlamps and camp accessories and things like that. I pitched the idea to them and they helped sponsor it. And so we we set an initial goal of picking up 10,000 pieces of trash in the first year and did really well with that. Got maybe like a little about 15 or so. Uh, the next year about the same and it was growing organically for a while. Uh, mostly people in the outdoors, on trails, paddling, climbing, things of that nature. This March, in a fortunate series of events, a, a gentleman made a pickup post and it got tagged, a trash tag cleanup, and it went viral all over the world kind of hard to even keep up with now at this point it's been been a pretty wild ride since that happened i find it really cool and i think a lot of the good movement stories they 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 work kind of this way it starts with like a small receipt flies out of a window unintentionally and then turns into this larger global thing yeah and i think that's how a lot of things start as they start really small and then balloon into something else and it wasn't like you intentionally like today i care about trash (laughs) this little thing (laughs) triggers this thought in you that you realize is something more important how long did it take to get to 100 pieces? Uh, let's see. So I guess uh, maybe you know, two or three weeks. I mean, I could have easily stayed in a spot and, and picked it up. but like in one day. <laughs> uh, along that line, it kind of became like I need like 100 different locations or right, I need like need 100 different spots right. to do this. Because like I said, it was all kind of like melding together through this and before like that solid trash tag idea was, was formed. It's funny because you could have picked up 100 pieces of trash in a single area. And then it would have showed the message of, look how much trash we put. But then also picking up a piece of trash in 100 different areas shows, look how prevalent this is across a larger swath. Yeah. And so other people start participating, right? Yeah, for sure. So like I said, it started out, my idea was like, the the hiking community is not that large. Um, I can contact almost all of them through Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And if I can like get them to start picking up trash on their adventures, we can really have a, an impact on the trail. So it started out as just a, basically like a wilderness cleanup movement. When it went viral, one of the things that, interesting things that happened is young kids were the ones that were out there participating. And in, in particular, all over the world, in like third world countries, just different places that were around that. And so then it became... Not just like an outdoors thing. It was just basically more of a college thing or like, a, like a, you know, tied to like the climate movement and things of that nature. So and, and now it's even blossomed to where it doesn't even have to be picking up trash. Uh, I saw a lot of the kids from like the Fridays for Future and climate strike movements were trash tagging their posts. I've seen people that were talking about like this cafeteria at my school has single use plastics and I'd like to get it to stop. 
trash tag. And so it's oh, just become nice. like so a calling now, card. Right. Instead of hashtag, it's trash tag for anything that's environmental. And that's super cool for me. So then this thing that starts with a small receipt falling out of a window that gives you this one little initial idea, which turns into a bigger idea, suddenly becomes an outlet for other ideas that are like tangential to it. But Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's the coolest part about it is everybody's taking trash tag and then mm-hmm. added their like moniker or like their name or their country after it. There's like, there's trash tag Kuwait. There's trash tag Iran, trash tag Egypt, uh, trash tag Turkey, one in Russia, just like all these people have kind of taken it and run with it, and it's it's super cool. Yeah, it's, it's quintessential definition of viral yeah. growth of something. <laughs> something I think is cool, because I was going to mention how trash tag must be bittersweet, because when you look at it and you see all these people are using it, it's like, great, that's making a difference, I hope, but it also shows how much damn trash there totally. is. But then the fact that it's also kind of evolving into other things then makes it better than bittersweet because you're not, oh, great, now it's inspiring all these other things and, and then helping these other movements grow so they can be something even For further sure. beyond that. For sure, yeah. I always, even from the start, I kind of had the idea, like, it's just really holding up a mirror to the problem. You know, if, if we picked up all the trash, what would happen? It'd be put in plastic bags and hoarded into landfills. And if we don't change our habits, like, nothing has really happened. So it was initially just to like shine a light on that. And I'm so happy that it has made that turn and is, you know, in the future is going forward towards, you know, just being like a a calling card for anything environmental, because it's true. Like if we just pick up the trash, that's all, all we've done is swept everything under the rug. And it's like these systematic changes with, with plastics. And, uh, you know, like to me, I think like large corporations making changes and then the people demanding those to happen is like the only way we're going to actually get anything to seriously change right because one of the biggest solutions to trash is just to make less of it yeah in the for, first sure. Place. for yeah. sure so a hashtag as most people know is not a thing any individual owns anyone can choose to use it which means it also isn't necessarily always attached to you nor is it easy for you to follow its progression yeah. Do you try to keep up and see with how yeah, it is so, developing? So honestly, social media has really made it pretty easy to, to follow that. Uh, so like on Instagram, I keep up with it and I'm able to, to follow the, the hashtag trash tag itself. And uh, I go on, not, not every day, but pretty close to it and, and see the, the recent ones and the, and the top ones and try to communicate with different individuals along that. But yeah, it's it's somewhat difficult to, to keep up with. It's, it's kind of great. It's just like, like I said, it's just people just taking it and run with it because I, I can't really do that much as, as myself. Right. That was kind of the idea was to inspire others to do it. So it's, it's great that it's well, taken it, off like it's that. It's beautiful because it's an example. People always use the, the excuse of, well, I'm just one person. Yeah. So I can't change a thing. But this is a great example of how one person can lead to many people. Totally. Sincerely making a change. So it's not directly linked to you. Do people recognize that you're linked to it and then contact you through email or other ways? Is there a way that you get feedback about it from people other than just searching it yourself online? Yeah, certainly. Um, so there's been a, a lot of different media outlets and stuff that have contacted me and, and done stories or interviews and things of that nature. Every once in a while, I find some people that like actually do recognize me, which is kind of a, a crazy uh, happening for me. I'm not quite used to that yet. You're the trash tag guy. Yeah, yeah. I got the trash tag dude the other day. That <laughs> was funny. I was like, yeah, I'm that dude. <laughs> but yeah, like like I said, you know, the, by design, like hopefully it's kind of self-defeating. I don't, I don't know if we'll ever get to right, that. Right, you don't but, want it to be too successful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I hope it really just like shines a light on the trash problem. But the biggest thing for me is we've already picked up millions of times more trash than I ever thought we'd get to. So like last September, we partnered with an organization called World Cleanup Day. Mm -hmm. And on September 20th, they had 
20 million people in 180 countries picking up in a single day. And so we're working with them again next year. But the trash is great. But for me, the biggest thing is showing that social media can be used for good. Like mm-hmm. they want to get that message out there. Social media is a great way to do it. You know, it gets all these negative connotations and stuff. But we've literally helped like pick up the planet just through the power of, and connections of social media. No, I, I like this story a lot because... The easy go-to for everyone, especially if you're of a certain age, and so you didn't grow up in the age of cell phones, you know, if that came to you in your adult life, it's really easy to just look at social media and complain oh, yeah. about all the potential issues. Entitled millennials right. voicing their opinions. Yeah, and and, yeah, yeah. instead of recognizing like how it can make a positive change, also people are like, What's what's the phrase people use? Oh, there's some disparaging phrase people use for like act like online activists or something. It's not that, but something along those lines to insinuate it's like a person that's going to post to Twitter and not actually do anything. Yeah. Whereas this shows no, you can actively do something, share it, and inspire other people to also actively do something for sure. So with that in mind, what does your future look like? What are you what are you working towards? You you consider yourself an outdoor philanthropist. So what does your future philanthropy look like? Yeah, well, so continuing to, to kind of drive the trash tag project, can steer that in the right direction, continue to work with all hands and hearts and doing that type of stuff and then uh, just continuing to pursue positivity through adventures, kind of keeping an open mind. And when I see different endeavors, I get kind of that like gut feeling that I need to be involved with that. And, and once I feel that, I don't question it and, and, and go for it. So who knows what the next one that comes along will be. But but yeah, definitely a trash tag for now. Like I said, through that adventure syndicate, the PR branch for the adventure company, we're kind of helping trying to drive diversity in the outdoors, things of that nature. Yeah, so if people want to keep up with you, if they want to follow along with the things you're doing or somehow get involved with some of the things that you do, what are the best ways for them to do that? Online, Instagram, Facebook, the Appalachian Adventure Company. So that's kind of the, the parent of all of this for us. So you can follow those along. Then we also have our website is appadventureco.com. Very similar to appgearco.com. <laughs> oh, you guys, so, people are going to start confusing you guys. Well, They're going to try to buy shirts from you. To me, honestly, that was one of the beauty, beautiful things and why I got involved with it. It was like a lot of parallels. And, you know, a lot of our ideas are like our ethos are the same about our environmental friendliness and stuff like that. So I'm just, I'm like, really stoked to be uh, on board with App Gear Co. for sure. This isn't something that that I asked uh, John, but I'll ask you. So why choose Appalachians as as kind of your mascot? Why choose that as the name of your company? So I, I grew up here. Some people call me a hillbilly, and some people would call me an Appalachian American. So I'm, <laughs> I'm a proud Appalachian American, so I, I just identify with that. Uh, I think there's a lot of negative connotations that go along with people from Appalachia a lot of times. And so through my travels, I try to help kind of uh, break down those stereotypes a little mm-hmm. bit. Those um, stereotypes so, being moonshine, poor grammar, banjo yeah, music, um, yeah, all that stuff. Molest- what was the name of that it, movie with uh, the yeah deliverance? Deliverance, yeah, like it, that's what you've got to deal with. It, right? It's one of the few subcultures that it's okay to still make fun of. Right, honestly, right. Uh, interestingly enough, but um, but yeah. So for me, I just take a lot of pride in that. And for Appalachian Gear Company specifically, the, like the natural fibers for me, that that's mm-hmm. key. That's everything. I mean, they're they're actually trying to like change. Like shift the pollution paradigm through what they're doing, which is amazing to me. It's not like the same thing. It's something completely different, and that's why I want to be a part of it. Yeah, so that's one of the positives, and we just mentioned a whole bunch of the negative connotations. So what are the positive connotations of the Appalachian region and the mountains in general? Oh, just like wonderful, welcoming people, beautiful landscape, scenery, all kinds of neat histories and traditions. And right now, like Asheville is kind of like the hotbed for the outdoor industry. It's really seen a, just a huge push for all kinds of gear companies, guiding companies, and things of that nature in the Asheville area. So it's it's booming from that side as well. So if somebody's listening and they're like, this outdoor philanthropy thing sounds pretty rad, 
I want to do that. What's what's something you'd recommend somebody do if they're just sitting at home right now and they want to start trying to be some sort of outdoor philanthropist to make a change? Easy, like low entropy level is go out and trash tag. Go out and pick up some trash tags and post them to your social media. And do not make trash just so you can take a picture of <laughs> yeah, it. Certainly. You will find enough that, on your own. That does not count, yes. <laughs> then, you know, if you're like really trying to get in it, look into Big City Mountaineers. Look into that Summit for Someone program. Maybe go try some mountaineering or there's a lot of different outlets out there that you can pursue like that adventure philanthropy theme through for sure you just got to go out there and, and look for them all right and i know we're a little pressed for time so we'll go ahead and wrap this up now so i'll go ahead and move to the last question all right. what is the final thought you want to leave people based on the things we talked about today just one person can make a difference like you said you're connected to almost everybody on earth now and so what you say and do online matters and counts well awesome man thanks for sitting down and recording this with me yes sir thank you so much i enjoyed it And now it's that time of the show where I invite all of you to head to our website, gogetoutside.com, and look for this episode 99 with Stephen Reinhold. There you will find photographs of Stephen and links to everything we talked about in today's show, including the various organizations that Stephen has worked with and that perhaps you would want to get involved with, but also all of the different links you would need to follow along with Stephen and the Trash Tag Movement. April 22nd is Earth Day, and Trash Tag will be involved with the great global cleanup, though of course in a digital format since we are all quarantined at this point in time. So I'd like to encourage all of you to see how you could get involved with Trash Tag or the Earth Day Network for Earth Day and for every other day of the year. And should you have thoughts on this episode, future episodes, past episodes, or just want to drop me a line and see how things are going, you can do that a number of ways. Go at Butcherbird Studios is how you can contact us by email or leave us a voice message or send us a text at 818-925-0106. And if you would like to do us a big favor here at the show, please go to your podcast purveyor of choice and if possible, subscribe, rate, and review the show and please share it with someone who you think would enjoy it. This episode of the Go Get Outside podcast was produced, recorded, and edited by me, your host, Jason Milligan. Additional help was provided by Griffin Davis. And as always, it has been brought to you by Butcher Bird Studios. Next time on the show, come back May 1st for the 100th episode of this podcast. We will be speaking to Taylor Carpenter, founder of Static Climbing, a company known for great handmade chalk bags. She is going to share the history and future of that organization, along with her personal history with snowboarding, climbing, and innumerable injuries. So come back May 1st, 100th episode, and Taylor Carpenter. See you then. <laughs>